the first week we started, as we started in this series, I had not planned on talking to you in my sermon plan. God had another sermon plan. I had not planned on talking to you about what I want to talk to you about today. Um, it's something I have discussed in our church before, but we were right in the middle of our worship, and I just sensed like God was saying, Bart, I want you to talk about this again. Uh, because when you start talking about anger and you start talking about rage, I mean, a lot of times we focus on the stuff that goes outward, right, on people, okay? But there was something that day, and I really believe the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me and as we were praying, that I just wanted to address with you something that, that we will look at that's really more of an anger that turns inward. In fact, it would even be an anger that turns upward, okay, at certain points, this anger that turns upward towards God and we're going to look in our Bibles this morning. Go ahead and turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 77. Okay? Psalms, chapter 77, was written by a man named Asaph. He was David's, uh, David's song leader. Okay? So this guy was really close to the Lord. And I want you to see some things as we look in this passage. And I say this often, but I really want to reiterate this with you today, that I'm so thankful to God for his word, and how he's just so transparent about the people who are in this book, okay? He doesn't just, like, edit the versions of it to where we all we see are the polished people in this book. We see people who had real struggles. We see people that really love God that had all kinds of problems, and, and you're going to see that in, in just transparency in this psalm today. It's so go- great that God allows this in his scriptures, and not just in this one, but I'm talking about in so many other places in the Bible, but as we talk about this kind of inner turmoil that some of us battle with, as we talk about this struggle, for some we may call it a, a, a depression, for some we may call it just discouragement or whatever, I want to just begin with some decla- disclaimers with you, and you may want to write these down, but it's really important that you know this before I go any further in some of these things. First of all, um, there are different types of depression, okay? And, and I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm not going to delve into certain areas here. I can't come professionally and speak about clinical depression and those kinds of things because that's just not my area of expertise. Um, and, and I have not personally been clinically depressed, but I have battled with some serious bouts of depression in my life. Okay, And I want to talk more along those lines today about some of my battles with that kind of depression. All right, And there are even different stages of depression. There are some of you who understand it better than I do. I want to acknowledge that. Some of you professionally, you understand that better than I do. But experientially, there are some things that I've learned about this. And I, I feel like I need to share some of these things with you and that God wants me to share these things. I don't want you to think this is going to be a kind of message where I'm going to give you like, here are four things you do and you'll never be depressed. I also don't want those of you who are really struggling this morning, and, and I bet that if we were to just get real and very honest, I'm not going to ask you to do this right now, if you've battled with it or you're battling with it right now, I'm just, I'm just guessing we'd see a lot of hands go up. I'm just saying that, okay? You'd see one right here. I'll be the first one to say that I've battled with this, okay? But I want you to know there are different kinds of this. So this isn't, for those of you who are battling with this right now, this isn't going to be a message where it's like if you just toughen up, you know, or if you were more spiritual, you would, you would be okay right now, all right? That's not going to be the kind of message that this is, all right? Depression, specifically clinical depression, okay, is very, very complicated, 
It's incredibly complex, and it involves all kinds of components of the brain and the central nervous system, and there are a lot of physical aspects of it that, again, I'm not qualified to talk about. For most people, though, okay, not speaking about uh, clinical depression, but for most people, it's less severe than that, which is mostly what I'm talking to today. If I were to kind of put it on a scale, I would say it goes beyond just kind of general sadness that we feel, and then you have clinical depression that's a little more severe. I would say where I kind of fell was kind of somewhere in between there, where I kind of stayed, where it went beyond just some of my maybe couple days of sadness. I've battled with before. This was something that lingered with me for a period of time and really began to impact me and affect me and affect my family. Okay? And so, uh, obviously, as I said, I'm not a doctor, so I won't get into the physical issues of this, but I want to just, I want to acknowledge this that there are certain cases, and I do believe this, as a pastor, as a man that loves the Lord, okay, there are, because there are physical aspects involved in this, I do think that, that medication at certain times is very necessary. I believe that it is, but I want to make a disclaimer with that, that I do not uh, believe that medication alone is the final blanket answer to everything, okay? I believe what we have to find and where we should really try to land is, and, and with your doctor, if that's necessary for you or whatever, is there needs to be a good balance there. We need to understand that medicine also does not fix the soul, Okay, medicine does not fix what's going on uh, certain times emotionally, but medication can be necessary for those that are really uh, in, a, in a really dark place. I, I want to acknowledge that. Let me also say this, all right, as another disclaimer, write this down, that depression is no respecter of persons. All right? It's no respecter of persons. It's as old as human history. It's been called the common cold of emotional disorders. In the United States, it's some of the most recent uh, surveys have indicated that somewhere between 25% and 30% of the population at some point in their life will battle with this. And, and what I would say about that statistic is I actually anticipated it to be a little higher than that. I would say that's the ones who would be honest enough to acknowledge it. Or maybe they recognize what it really is because I think in some cases we don't talk about it or we don't want to talk about it as I'm going to share about my own story. Both men and women struggle with this. This is not a gender-specific uh, uh, condition. This is a human condition. This is something that we in our broken, in the broken world we live in, which means we have flawed uh, bodies, which with, with our brains are also flawed, you know, in this broken world, we have struggles, we have problems. I saw this article just this week that in the United States right now, the suicide rate among adults has risen 24% in the last 15 years. Now, that's a significant number to me, and I know it's significant to some of you who that has touched in your life as well, but it's significant to me because I think of the church in kind of that 15-year window. We planted the church really about 17 years ago, so in that 17-year, 15-year period, what we've seen overall in the United States is, is, is our country and the people in our country falling into darker places. Are you seeing that with me? right? I mean, we need to acknowledge that, which the hope is the gospel, amen, right? Which is why we've got to plant more churches, which is why we've got to have these talks, which is why we need to be transparent about it and not pretend like this doesn't exist. It's real. 
This is something that some of you are battling with. It's no respecter of persons. Here's another disclaimer, all right? And I really want you to capture this today. You need to hear this today. People who love God can struggle with depression. I'm gonna say that again, and I would love an amen right there, okay? Come, come on, help me out. People who love God can struggle with depression. Amen, right? I mean, people that love God can battle with this. You say, I don't know about that, Bart. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you in God's word, okay? And, and I, I have to acknowledge, I've acknowledged this before our church family that I've battled with this in times in my life. Uh, but I, I'm going to tell you, there have been periods where I've really, especially a while back when I didn't quite understand what some of this and I really didn't get it and I kind of equated it and I just have to confess, equated some of it maybe to just to, to maybe just a spiritual fix at certain points. And yes, that's very important. The spiritual aspect is very important. But there's a, we are holistic beings. There's a lot of thing that, the things that are going on, okay? Um, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, all of this is together. It's all together there. And so, but in that period of time where I didn't quite get it, I was really ashamed to admit my battle with this. I was especially ashamed to acknowledge it because I am a pastor. I am supposed to, right, always be spiritually fit, right? I don't know that I could acknowledge some of this brokenness in my life because I, I really was afraid of, 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 you know, and you start thinking that way. What are people going to start thinking? And, and probably as I, I played into that fear, it made it even worse. And then it just became even more difficult. At times, I, I'll be honest with you, I felt like I should even get out of ministry. I felt like maybe I should not even be a pastor. Maybe this brokenness that's in my life disqualifies me from talking about it, you know, or from, or from or not talking about that, but from talking about other things about God. And I really believe that was a plot of our enemy to try to get me out of ministry at one point. Now, what I've actually discovered is contrary to that, is the fact that whenever I actually began to be willing to open myself up to people, to talk with them one-on-one -on -one about my struggle, to talk with it openly before our church family, you know what I started discovering? I started making connection with, connections with people that I had never made before. The people were like, you know, I actually can relate to what this guy's saying here, or I get that, I get that, or my family member, I understand because my family member is kind of going through that right now. And so what I chose at that point, I chose to model transparency in this particular area in my life, all right? But, but before this, I really had some misconceptions about it, and some of you, maybe you still do. Uh, maybe like I, th I thought, maybe I just am not a good enough Christian. Maybe I just don't love God enough. Maybe I'm just not reading my Bible enough. And, and I want to say sometimes that might be part of it or whatever. Maybe I'm just a loser of a pastor. I'm just not going to ever be a good enough pastor. And I really, at a certain point, although I surround, I'm surrounded by a loving church and a loving family, I got to tell you, I really felt all alone. I really felt very isolated. I isolated myself, though, I'll tell you that. And I know this. If you read the story of Elijah, you'll see that Elijah also felt very alone at one point. He felt like he was the only one, right? He cries out to God, and I've, I've preached a sermon on that before. But, but I didn't want to talk about it. I was ashamed to talk about it until I realized that other ministers 
that I really respect, they got honest about it and opened up. And I realized as I started studying this some and researching it, there were other leaders. There were great leaders that, that they battled with this. And so I started kind of looking at this. It started making me feel like I wasn't so alone. Great, great preachers like Charles Spurgeon, he's called the Prince of Preachers, right? He battled with this. Um, you've got Winston Churchill. I mean, he's a great leader in World War II. Abraham Lincoln, Sir Isaac Newton, a great thinker, right? Those kinds of guys. Martin Luther, the great reformer, right? And then I started discovering some contemporary uh, pastors and ministers that were opening up, like, like uh, Dr. Charles Stanley in Atlanta. And uh, Dr. Tommy Nelson talked about his, and that, that really impacted me. So I was like, man, Stanley uh, in Atlanta, Nelson, Bart Howe, all the greats have problems with this, right? It's kind of the way I was thinking. I don't know. Seriously, though. Do you know what I really started doing? This is what made the biggest difference when I really started digging into God's word and seeing how many in God's word, if you really dig in, you can see there were hints of this in their lives. Some more severe than others. But what you're going to see is the real raw struggle that some of these guys had. All you got to do is read Psalms and you'll see David really acknowledging some dark valleys, right? He even wrote about them as he was inspired from the Lord. Certainly Elijah, if you read his story, Elijah at one point just says, God, would you just kill me? He says that. Moses, as he's overwhelmed and things weren't turning out, gets very frustrated with the people. He's angry with God. He's angry with the people. He says, God, would you just kill me? I mean, he gets to this. I mean, I'd say that's, that's quite discouraged, right? I'd say that might be a hint of depression even, that maybe he was battling with this. Just keep reading the Bible. Jonah, despondent when God actually brought salvation to the people of Nineveh, and then he's angry with God, right? It's an anger inward and upward. That's kind of what we're talking about. Asaph, Habakkuk, keep reading the Bible. You will see these guys were very open about their struggles. Solomon, the wisest man to have ever lived, right? Read Ecclesiastes, and what does he say over and over again? Meaningless, meaningless, it's all meaningless. Gosh, that's a real uplifter, right, when you read that? I mean, seriously, when you see these characters in the Bible... I'm so thankful that God showed us the whole story, that they struggled, that they're human, that they were flawed, that they needed God. God was the one that stepped into the midst of their darkness. But even as they were men and women that loved God, you know what I discovered? They still struggled. And they loved God. They still struggled. They're human. You know, and I didn't, I didn't get it until I kind of went through this myself. For me, I found comfort in knowing I wasn't the only one. And I hope for some of you today that that brings you some level of comfort. But I, I didn't quite get it till I went through it. And let me just, I can't tell you the whole story, but let me just share with you before we dig into God's word in Psalm 77. I remember in 2009, we were 10 years in on planting EBC. And, and our family is all in, right? We're not looking to bail. We weren't looking to go anywhere, but we, we have invested our lives here. This is where we want to be. And uh, it was 10 years in. And we were, you know, the church was doing okay. We were, we were you know, growing in spite of our, our location. Uh, but here's something that I even was thinking at the time. Wow, a lot of church plants, they don't make it. 
You just don't make it. I mean, it's hard to plant a church and it, and it you know, stays meeting. Uh, I saw many come within in our own community that tried and it failed and that broke my heart. I'd never rejoiced in that. I felt the pain for those church planters. It's hard. And a lot of church plants don't make it, but we were growing in spite of our lo- uh, location. So we were really trying to relocate. We were trying to buy land. And we had one deal right after another. Kevin rumors kept falling through. It's like, are we ever going to be able to do this? You know, some of you are feeling that now. We are, I promise, okay? But, but, but here's the, just pray for the city of Fort Worth, okay? Pray that we get through that. It's still hung up right there. But man, that's nothing compared to the old stuff. And so, but I mean, I was having one thing like that right after another that was going on, just these kind of disappointments where I was, I was feeling that. And now I'd always kind of, um, I would always uh, kind of battled with a couple of days of sadness. Some of you know what I'm talking about there. And I'm just feeling the blues a little bit, but something different started happening in me. My family started noticing some things about me. People, who, uh, some of you that were close to me started noticing. And I'd have like some of my family be like, are you okay? You know, and I'd be like, yeah, why? You know, or whatever, kind of annoyed that that question we get asked, do you ever feel that way? Are you all right? I don't know. You don't seem right. And I'm like, I'm fine. You know, leave me alone. Back away. You know, it's all good. And some of you would be like, you're all right, Bart. What's going on? You know, uh, you, you kind of seem sad or whatever. So someone might say, are you kind of seem a little bit angry. I'm like, I'm not angry. Okay, back away. Have you ever been like that? And, you know, get, get, give me some space, you know. But I started, people started noticing something that was going on. You don't seem like yourself. And I'd walk away from that kind of scratch in my head going, what is going on? You know, I mean, I think everything's okay. I don't know. But at that point, I realized as I looked back, there were some root causes to what had really led me into a season that was darker than, the, than any other time I'd ever been through. All right, it was truly the hardest time that I'd gone through spiritually in my life. I had some ministry disappointments, and I want you to see some of these things. Maybe it's not a ministry disappointment, but for you, you've had some disappointments. You remember where Pastor Randy talked last week about, about uh, maybe the death of a dream that you had. Things haven't worked out exactly in your mind how you thought they would. Well, uh, I didn't have the death of a dream, but I had a dream that was wounded in some ways. And in my perfectionist mind, which, by the way, keep that in mind, if you struggle, certain personalities struggle more with this than others, okay? So remember, it's no respecter of persons, but some of us are more prone to it than others, certainly, okay? In my perfectionist mind, things weren't quite shaping up in the timeline and what I hoped would happen. Now, I can look back right now and see God's hand of protection clearly. But at that point, though, I mean, I also had some ministry failures just flat out failures. I'll just tell you, I did. You know, I blew it at certain points and, and things, you know, uh, were some failures where we tried some things and maybe ran ahead of God when we did some things and it didn't work out. And again, I can see God's hand of, of protection, but back then I viewed it as obstruction. And I viewed it as, it became a frustration for me. I started getting really frustrated. And some of you know, you feel that way, like you're running into roadblocks everywhere you go and you start feeling that. Well, in the midst of that also, there were some fractured relationships. I won't say totally broken, but fractured. And, and you guys know that when, when you're not right with people, it's hard to be right with God. And you're struggling with that. And, and so there was unresolved anger that I just didn't really deal with very well. So what did I do? I did the opposite of what I normally do, which I'm a spewer too, okay? But I did something different this time. I stuffed everything down deep. And I just pushed it down. 
And I just pushed this down deep. This was very different for me, okay? I, and, and what that did was that produced resentments. And resentments started growing because I wouldn't forgive, um, started growing into bitterness, all right, which started entering into sin. By the way, not all depression is sin, but it can lead to sin, okay? Um, and it led to sin in my life in certain ways. And when you factor in the middle of all that, here's some physical aspects of that. Very busy. I mean, I was overwhelmed. I was trying to do everything. Um, so I was very stressed, consumed with the work of the ministry, and I did not know how to say this one word. No. Didn't know how to do that. I, uh, I said yes to a lot of things that were good things, but maybe I, I should have said no to, so I found myself very overwhelmed. And then another thing happened was, I, I, and this was just who I am, part of my personality, I'm getting better about this, but I, I was in my mind a control freak about certain things. Some of you relate. You, you maybe did something. You wanted to kind of turn out the way you want it, and it wasn't turning out that way. So the control freak side of me was freaking out, okay? I didn't know also how to let go. I didn't know how to let other people help me in ministry. And so I was doing a lot of these things by myself, which led me to being extremely tired. So there was a physical aspect of this too very tired. I did not know how to take a day off. I would justify when I was supposed to be off. What I'd end up doing often is thinking about or doing work of the ministry because it's work for the Lord, right? So I did not know how to take Sabbath. I didn't realize how important Sabbath really is, right? And obviously on Sunday, I don't get a Sabbath, but so I try to take off on Friday. And, and so I didn't know how to do that at that point. And I would, I would just often just work myself very hard because that's what we do. We want to work really hard. And so what happened was this, it's like the, all of these things started kind of just this conglomeration of things in my life led to this cloud of depression, I believe, that engulfed me. And I really did not know how to handle that. As a result of that, I, I didn't know how to shut my brain off, right? I didn't know how to quit thinking about certain things, and it just went on and on, which led to a major insecurity that I was dealing with <clears throat> because uh, what I would do to deal with this is I would eat, okay? And I got, I got very heavy. I, I, that's how I would medicate that and try to make myself feel better is eating more. And, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about there, okay? And so then what happened is I got heavier, heavier. Do you know what happened? I got really angry at myself because I did not like what I saw. And I was angry at myself. Some of you feel that, right? You get angry. So the anger was turning inward. You guys see a vicious cycle that's going on, right? It's something that God has to step in and do a work. And the cycle was building in my life. And I remember transitioning to a time period that's really hard for me to talk about. It's a period of ministry where I really seriously thought about saying, I'm done. I'm out. By the way, there's a lot of pastors that do that. Happens at a very rapid rate. Sometimes they self-destruct. Sometimes they, they have moral failures because they don't know how to deal with it, and so they self-sabotage. I mean, there's all kinds of things. I don't want to make excuses for these guys. I'm just saying that's what happens. And I'm like, you know what? I, I don't know that I can do this anymore. I, I don't know how to do this anymore. I, I can't get out of this. I'm struggling, and, and you know, I, and it's hard for me. I lost all motivation. I had very, very little joy in my heart. I'm like, how can I talk about joy whenever I, I'm battling with this? I can't even find it myself, God. And I got really scared at that point. 
I remember uh, the breaking point for me. I was sitting down in a chair, and my daughter, Trinity, who was much younger at that point, she comes and she sits in my lap, and she was sitting in my much larger lap at that time. I will add that as well, okay? And she just said this to me. She said, Daddy, why are you always so sad? And that's not me. Now, I'm, I'm a little more serious uh, person, you know, I'm a little more introverted, or, so to speak, okay? I'm not Pastor Randy, woohoo, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Is he in here? Dang it. All right. Y'all can, y'all can let him know. He wasn't in the last one either, okay? I mean, I, I, I'm not that Pastor Randy's not serious. I'm, not, I'm in all seriousness, okay? But we have different personalities which work very well together, okay? But, but here's the deal. I, I mean, you guys who have been here know me. I'm, I, I love to laugh. I love enjoying life. But at that period of life, that season, that was not me. It was dark, and people were noticing It was hard. My family was noticing. I got scared. I was afraid to let anybody in. Some of you were very close friends, and I was keeping you out because I didn't want you to know. It was hard. We talked about the consequences of unresolved anger a few weeks ago, and man, I was a living example of that. That's how I know those things so well is it was unresolved and I was angry inward, stuffing it down, angry upward. God, what's going on here? I gave my life to the ministry. I'm doing this for you. And, you know, and again, it's just your, your perspective gets so off. It gets so off and that's where I was at. I was angry and some of you are wondering how in the world I know so well what's going on with some of you right now. Because I've, I've been there. I get it. I've walked that road with you. I'm so thankful for, for some of you who were in our church at that time who, and, and for my family that loved me, that noticed, that didn't judge me, that pursued me, that asked questions, are you okay? And was patient with me, prayed for me, reached out to me. And I finally, because of that, mustered enough courage to come before our church after talking to our leaders about how I was feeling, you know, and that was a big step. And just my struggle, I finally mustered enough courage to come before our church family and confess my struggle before our church family. And that was a very emotional meeting. Uh, There were a lot of tears on my part. There were tears that this actually blessed me. There were tears in our congregation as I was sharing that about myself. And one of you, I don't remember who, but one of you shouted out at that point, we love you, Bart. It wasn't we love you, Pastor Bart. It was we love you, Bart. Person Bart. And I want to tell you, that might have saved me right there. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. That might have saved me that day because here's what that that did. That showed me that it's it's okay to, and that the place that we'd wanted to plant was a safe place to be real. Amen. Amen. And if I could do that, you can do that. It showed me also that day that this is a place, Lord willing, that I want to be the rest of my life. Because let me tell you what, a lot of, a lot of pastors try to fix it by just going somewhere else. 
and we'll start over somewhere else. We'll cycle through all the old sermons again, you know, or whatever. But here's the problem with that is wherever you go, you've heard me say it, you're still there, right? So that day I thought, I want to be here and do life with these people and, and be able to say, I struggle and be real about that. You know, I don't know where I'm at in my notes. I'm sorry, Brynn. <laughs> it would be really wrong for me. Let me say this. It would be wrong for me to go through all of that and not be willing to talk about it with you and at least tell you some of the things that I learned. Isn't that what we're supposed to do with our pain? Don't waste it. Let someone else who's, who's going through it, God comforts us so we can be a comfort to others. I, I, I learned so many things during this point of my life. I learned, first of all, I mean, you can write some of these things down or just listen, okay? I learned that I needed to delegate. I learned that I needed to trust. I learned that I didn't need to be in charge of everything. I learned that it's okay to not be the man all the time, Right? I learned that it's okay for that. I learned to open up, and I have some of you that I can really open up to. John, thank you that I can talk to you. Some of you are also that for me. I learned that, that it's not good. To, and here's what I learned. When you start, I haven't learned how to fix everything, but what I've learned is when I start feeling that way, those are warning lights for me to start discerning where something is actually off in my life. Okay? It doesn't mean I'm going to fix everything perfectly because, again, this is a broken world. It just means I can start realizing there's something. And maybe, I, maybe I'm not taking my day off seriously. Maybe I'm not doing, you know. And so I, I started really protecting that day. I started not stuffing this stuff down. Here's what I also realized. Maybe I need to forgive some people. I had some forgiving to do because I was carrying some resentments. and still trying to preach God's word. So I had to forgive in order to release myself from that dark prison there. And that's where some of you, maybe you are, all right? This period was, was very difficult in my life. It was very difficult, but I want God to use it for his glory. There are some big questions while I was going through this, just, just quickly, okay, in the Psalms. And I'm sorry I haven't spent more time in the Bible this morning. You know I do every week, but I've just felt like I needed to talk about more of a testimony today, Okay? But there were questions that I was really wrestling with. Where is God when this happens? You ever wrestled with that one? I mean, when you really feel down and depressed, where's God? Where's your faith in this? Where's the peace that passes understanding that I preached about? How are you supposed to deal with this whenever it does kind of engulf you at certain times? Do you deny it? Do you fake it? Do you bury it? Do you suppress it? When you feel really down and you're really battling with this, what's the right response? Should I just go buy something? Should I just turn on the TV and zone out? Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Should I just eat more, right? I'll feel better for a few moments. 
Should I have an affair? Maybe that's an escape that it will. Uh, maybe I should turn to alcohol or maybe drink more or start drinking or whatever. These are all ways that we try to escape and self medicate. Or maybe I should just pretend it doesn't exist and then let's just see where that leads, which I can tell you will not be good. What does God want us to do? And I look in this psalm, and what I again love is that Asaph is so transparent. Okay, look at what he says in verse one. He says, I cry out to God. Now, sometimes we can just read this. I cry out to God. Do you think that's what he did? I'm crying, God. I'm weeping. I'm mourning before you. I'm so sad, God, right now. I'm in a dark place. Look at what he says. Yes, I even what? Shout. You ever shouted? I'd say sometimes that's a good thing to vent to God. He's venting to God. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted towards heaven. He's going through motions, right? Knows how to do that. But my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. And then it says interlude or sila. And what that means is really reflect upon that. Don't just keep reading, although I'm going to keep reading, okay? All right? You hear these words. He's struggling. He's, de- he's despondent. He may even be depressed. He's hurt. He's confused. God, now this is a big word right here, feels absent doesn't mean he is. He feels that. You keep going. You don't let me sleep. You ever felt that? I can't even, I can't even sleep. I'm so upset about this. And you, you don't let me sleep, God. I'm too distressed to even pray. He's trying, right? He's trying. I think of the good old days, long since ended, when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and I ponder the difference now. At one point, he was on this spiritual mountaintop and now he's deep down in this valley. And he's, as you're going to see as you keep reading, I don't have time to read the whole psalm today. Maybe you'll go read it later. Or maybe, what, maybe I'll do part two in another week, okay? But what you're going to see is he's going to ask some rhetorical questions that are going to lead to two big questions that many of us can relate to. And here's what these big questions are. By the way, he's lost perspective. And when we're in that dark place, we lose perspective. We kind of lose our way a little bit. We lose our, our balance. And there's this, you know, and he's, he's got these two questions. He's going to question the promises uh, or the promise of God's presence and the commitment of God to keep his promise. He, he questions God's presence. In other words, God, are you even there? You ever felt that? Are you even there? And then God's promises. God, are you going to do what you said you would do? Are you going to do this, God? Quickly look at these questions. They're all about feelings. He's, he's, these are part of his feelings, which we, we have feelings, right? And God's showing us it's okay to express this to him. He can handle it, all right? Has the Lord rejected me? What's the word? Forever. He feels like this will never end. Some of you are in a season and you are right there. You're like, will this ever end? Has he rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? God, do you even care? Is his unfailing love, that is 
Hesed love, Hebrew, pursuing love. Okay, will it, is it gone forever? Do you still love me? You felt that? Do you still love me? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? God, is, is there just this problem between us? Have I done something wrong? I don't understand. I'm alone. I'm hurt. I'm down. I'm sad. I'm blue. Whatever you want to call that there. I, I, I just don't understand where you are right now. And I don't understand where your promises are, God. Have you ever felt that? I know that I have. I mean, and here's how I kind of get it now. I kind of get it, and this is how it always was in most of my life, in little waves throughout the week, small little waves that will happen, just little waves. But here's what I've learned today, okay? You got to catch this because I, I can't finish all this today. You've got to catch it in the smaller waves because if you don't deal with the smaller waves, it grows into a tsunami, right? That engulfs us. And that's what happened to me. I've got to start learning to deal with the smaller waves. I'll get a couple of little waves throughout the week. And that's just life, right? You've got to learn to deal with it. You don't suppress it. You've got to learn to take it to God. Begin to deal with it you know, before God. And again, 90% of us probably, this is just more just kind of dealing with life. There's probably a 10 to 15% that deal with clinical depression. And there's much more involved in that than what I'm talking about today. But just in the last last really couple of minutes here, how do we begin to respond? How do we start responding when we look in the Psalms, okay? The first nine verses of this, he's just questioning everything. And then in the next part of it, he starts turning his focus. His mind starts turning in a different direction. And I want you to write this down. We must make the effort We must make the effort. It's going to take work. It's not easy to recall God's specific blessings in our past. The enemy is great at giving you a short memory about what God has done in your past, right? He knows how to just completely make us forget those kinds of things. But we've got to recall God's specific blessings in our past to gain perspective and peace in the present. So he's going to shift from his feelings to more facts about God. That's going to take work. He starts shifting his thoughts. He's shifting from feelings to thoughts about facts with God. Look at verse 10. He said, and I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. Now, verse 11 is the turning point. But then, everybody say, but then with me. But then, I recall all you have done, O Lord. What's the next part? I do what? I remember your wonderful deeds. Why do you think the Lord wants us to come back and remember him through communion regularly? Remember, remember, revisit what he's done, not just what, what you know, is only out ahead of you. Remember, reflect, live with gratitude for what he's already done, okay? Your wonderful deeds of long ago. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? Do you see a shift that's starting to happen here? There's something that's happening with this guy. You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. He's like, wait a second. 
I've been feeling this way. And yes, I'm questioning a lot, God. I don't get everything. Now, what I want to tell you is that God doesn't give him all the answers in this psalm. He just starts shifting and his mindset starts to change some. I don't think that it all went away. I just think that he made some choices. And again, I know there's so many things I could tell you. Practical application, I don't have time to tell you today. But this one big thing is right here is he begins to make a list of what God has already done. And I challenge you to do that. That's just one place to start. There's so many other places that I could take you. Maybe, maybe your life is out of balance and you're overworking. Maybe you need to take Sabbath seriously. Some of the things I said that were contributing. Maybe some of you, you need to forgive someone. And the reason you're depressed is because you're hanging on to a resentment and it has you in chains, right? And so you're leaning more towards depression. I mean, there's all kinds of things that this could be. Maybe you have not learned to vent your feelings. God's showing you vent your feelings to him. He can handle it, okay? That's, that's why he shows us this. And, and then this, this psalmist is going to start thanking God. And that's where I just really, I don't, I don't want, I could do a whole series on this, right? But it would really be depressing, okay? And so here's what I want to do. The way we're going to end today, I wish I could read the rest of the psalm today. I just don't have time. There's another service coming. But can we just go to the Lord in prayer right now, okay? Because I'm out of time. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And one thing you can begin doing today, there's a lot of other things. Maybe I'll address them in a couple of weeks. I promise I won't do it on Mother's Day. Okay. But maybe today, whether you're in a high point in your life or maybe today some of you are in the lowest of lows, you would make a choice like this man did to start turning his praise to God. I really believe worship is a big part of this. Turning your praise to God. As you start praising it, the Lord starts transforming our hearts and our minds. You start praising Him. You start thanking Him. If you were to read that psalm, you'll see He made a specific list. There may be some of you, you need to go out of here today and you need to write a list. Take time to write a list of everything that God has done in your past for you. Maybe you've forgotten some of those things. You're really focused right now on just this, this one issue or one problem that has you hung up. Maybe you need to gain some perspective today. Maybe some of you would realize today you need some professional help, and that's okay. It's okay. We want you to know this is a safe place to get help. Maybe some of you would realize, I need a Stephen minister. I need someone I can trust, that I can, that I can talk to on a regular basis that I know will hold things confidentially. Maybe you just need to start today by thanking him that he saved you if you're in a relationship. Start remembering. Start thinking about how Jesus changed your life, how he died for you. Don't focus so much on the way you feel right now. Start turning more to the facts about who God is. And allow those facts to maybe begin to transform some of your feelings. Thank him that he saved you. Thank him if you have a job. Thank him that, that, that you have one. Maybe you don't like it, but still thank him that you have one. Thank him for your family. Start thinking about that. Thank him about that. For your kids. If you're married, for your spouse. Thank him that he's blessed you with a church where you can be real. 
thank him for his word. Some of you, he's brought you out of something. And if you read the Psalms, you'll see the psalmist said, you brought us out of Egypt. You brought us out of slavery. I want to just uh, invite us just to stand if we can. Can we stand right now? Let's stand and let's just make this song our closing prayer to God. We love you, Lord. We want to remember today. Just flood this place with your spirit, God. Bring healing to the people's hearts. You are the healer, God, not me. You are, Father. In Jesus' name.